Well, good morning. Let's, uh, let's just thank the Lord for that in prayer. Would you pray with me, Father? Thank you so much for the work that you do through your people. And we're so grateful to be part of that. So God, thank you for sending our founding pastor, Rick, and his wife, Marianne, here years ago uh, to reach people in Northeast Ohio that weren't being reached. Father, thank you for the leaders that have been raised up and sent from here, Andy being one of them. We're grateful for the Socorros being here and being raised up and then launching that church. Father, thank you for the opportunity to give and support and encourage them as they're reaching people for Christ there in the Berean area. Father, we pray that you would launch more leaders from here, Father that more people would go to plant churches and campuses and other communities that make an impact here in Northeast Ohio and around the world. Father, we also thank you for last week. We thank you for sports camp. We thank you for the seeds of the gospel of Jesus that were planted and watered and harvested last week. We thank you for the boys and girls that came to Christ. We thank you for the army of volunteers that sacrificially served, Lord. And God, we pray that you will continue to bring more and more people to Christ, build your kingdom because of the faithfulness of your people. So God, continue to help us count it as joy to pray, to serve, and to give. And Lord, as we turn now toward your word, God, we would pray that you would open up our minds and our ears and our hearts and lead us as we listen to the teachings of our Savior. And we pray this in Jesus' name. We all said, Amen. Amen. Man, thank you for praying. You know, it feels good to pray. It feels good to connect with God. It feels good to, to take our burdens and lay them down before the Lord and to also, uh, you know, confess our sins and praise God and give gratitude. And when we look at our prayer lives, I know we're all over the maps, right? No, no matter where you're at, some of you uh, feel really strong in your prayer life. Some of you might feel weaker in your prayer life. We all probably have some degree of dissatisfaction in our prayer life. We all know we could pray more, we could pray better, or, you know, all those kinds of things. Um, we know that when we have a healthy, strong prayer life, we feel closer to God. We are uh, continuously more reliant and dependent on God, and we see more answers to prayer. And we know that when we're weak in our prayer life, and we're not uh, in our prayer life very often, that we feel distant from God. We continue to be more self-centered, self-focused, self-reliant people, and we see less answers to prayer in our prayer life, of course. And so I want you to think about your prayer life for a minute. Uh, the first question I have for you is just something to think through mentally. Like if you were to gauge the vitality of your prayer life, which one of these words would probably describe it best right now? Would you say your prayer life is dead? Prayer life is kind of weak? Is it good? Is it flourishing? And, and where do you want it to be? Like are you satisfied with where it's at? And, and do you want it to grow in your relationship and communication with the Lord? How about the consistency of your prayer life? And this is where I want to get a little interaction. Let's have some fun here. So if you have your phones out, uh, like Lori had given you that information before, uh, you're going to text to the number 22333 this phrase, CVC Online 463, that registers you to participate in the poll. And then you're going to send a second text with your answer. And so here's the question. If you were to describe the consistency of your prayer life right now, which word best fits? Would you say uh, rare? You know, it's, you, you rarely pray? That it's occasional? Just kind of I occasionally pray? Is it often? Or would you say you have a high degree of constant prayers? All right? So just take a minute to, you know, send that answer in. We're going to do a real-time poll. I'll show you the results in a minute. And as you're texting in, I just want to review some of the reasons we often stop praying. Like, why do we stop praying? For some of us, it's just a lack of discipline. It hasn't become a holy habit. We just, we just don't pray very often. Some of us, it's because we're bored. Like, every time you pray, it feels like you're praying the same old prayer. Like, I think this sounds a lot like the last time I prayed. 
And suspiciously sounds a lot like the prayer I was praying six months ago, right? And so you get bored. I'll tell you right now, one of the best ways to break out of that is to pray God's Word. Open up God's Word and get in Scripture first, and then pray that Scripture back. Launch from that Scripture. Sometimes we stop praying because it doesn't feel personal or meaningful. And a lot of times the reasons for that is because uh, we lack time with God and His Word. A lot of times it's because our, our prayer life is reduced to just a bunch of questions and, or, or, um, or requests, like wish lists. Like, God, would you give me this and this and this and this and this and this and this? And after a while, of course it's going to feel impersonal. And if, if, if any relationship was based on a person coming to you and just asking for things, that relationship would, would suffer. And so that's why some of our prayer lives... Um, I'm not going well. Or uh, you, you have these super spiritual expectations for your prayer life. Like that when you start to pray, all of a sudden like the background music is cued, right? And all of a sudden there's a beam of light from heaven upon you. And you start to get the warm fuzzies and, you know, like every wish you ever want to come true comes true. And, you know, that makes a great script for Aladdin. It's just not a biblical reality, okay? And sometimes the reason we stop praying is because we're discouraged, We've been praying for somebody or we've been praying for a certain thing and, and we just don't see movement. We don't, we've been praying for a lost person to come to know the Lord and it's been years. Or, or maybe that situation we've been praying about, we, we haven't seen it come to pass and so we're not sure prayer works. So we fatigue out and we stop. Well, let's see how you guys respond a little bit. How, how are you feeling about your prayer life? A little bit real-time poll. So 2% of us in this room um, rarely pray. It's just, ah, I rarely pray. Thanks for your honesty. Uh, a high degree of us feel like it's occasional, 38%. Like, I, I kind of occasionally pray. And then uh, the majority of us are feeling, you know, that often. I pray often, and some of us are feeling constant. And this is a good read. This is, shows us that we can relate to one another. It shows us that we can um, connect with one another. So thank you for responding. And that gives us a gauge of what we're all feeling and connecting with in the room. Don't you love how it's real time? That's kind of fun, huh? Um, hopefully some people are moving, like, from rare to occasional right now. Lord, would you pray that this guy would stop talking? You know, just, they just moved. No, I'm just joking. Well, when it comes to our prayer life, no matter where your prayer life is, weak, strong, rare, constant, here's the big idea I want us to wrap our hearts and minds around today. Don't give up on praying. Don't stop praying. Keep praying. It's hard. Sometimes we don't see what we want, when we want, or how we want, but it should never deactivate our prayer life. Jesus wants us to keep praying, to constantly pray, to persistently pray. How do I know that? I'm so glad you asked. Would you open your Bibles, please, to Luke 18? I'll show you where Jesus is communicating to us that he wants us to constantly pray and not give up. Uh, we're in a series called Aha Moments, looking at some of the parables that Jesus taught from the book of Luke. That's why we're in Luke 18. And uh, Jesus often taught with parables, a story that had a spiritual meaning or purpose. And those whose hearts were soft to God uh, would start to get the parable and understand. And those who had no interest in God, it just was over their heads. And so today, this aha moment, like, oh, I see what he's saying, I see what he's teaching, comes to us from Luke 18. And again, the topic is really going to be about prayer. So let's find ourselves in Luke 18, verse 1, and we'll read a little bit, teach a little bit, read a little bit, teach a little bit. And here's what we see in Luke 18, 1. It says, And he, that would be Jesus, told them, these, these are his disciples, he's currently surrounded by his disciples in this moment, a parable, there's that story to communicate a truth about God, to the effect that they ought always to pray 
and not lose heart. Would you say that again with me? Ought always to pray and not lose heart. Jesus is with his disciples. He turns the topic to prayer. He's basically saying, I don't want you guys to ever give up on prayer. Don't stop praying. Keep praying. Don't lose heart. That phrase, don't lose heart there, in the original language in the Bible, is the word egakeo, and it means, and is translated in English, as to not be discouraged, to not grow faint, to not grow weary, to not lose heart. Don't give up. Pray. Don't give up. Well, why would they lose heart? It's very important to understand what Jesus was speaking to. Like, why would they lose heart? Well, when you look at the narrative of Jesus, we know that here's Jesus, God in the flesh, who has come, miraculous birth, supernatural life and ministry of healing and teaching, and then he died on the cross for your sin and my sin, so that we can be made right with God if we come to Jesus for forgiveness and to be made right with God relationally. And then he was buried and rose from the grave, and when he rose from the grave, he did a victory dance over sin and death. He defeated death. He defeated sin. And then he ascended to heaven. And then he's saying, I'm coming back. Jesus Christ is returning. He is coming back. That's clearly what the Bible teaches. And that's what the disciples believed and hoped for. That's what the early church hoped for and believed. And that's what we still hope for and believe. And so there's this window between the ascension of Christ and the return of Christ. And he's letting the disciples know that as you live in this window, it's going to be hard. You're going to have the effects of the broken world that you live in. There's sin, there's sickness, there's death, there's discouragement. And then on top of that, as my followers, said Jesus, the world's not going to like you. They're going to hate you. And so you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be mistreated. And while you live in this window, don't give up. Don't lose heart. Don't be discouraged. Keep praying. Lifting things up to me. And so we're in the same boat. We're still uh, waiting for the return of Christ since the time that he's descended. While we live in this time zone of, of history, life is hard. We've got our own sin nature that tries to tempt us to do things we shouldn't, say things we shouldn't, that prevents us from doing the things that God would want us to do. We have a world that tries to taunt us and tempt us to walk away from God. There's a lot of voices out there. And then we, we experience the effects of the broken world with death and sickness and discouragement. And then on top of that, if you call yourself a follower of Christ, you live in a world that's going to increasingly hate you. And isn't that a great altar call? Like, hey, everybody, you need to come to Jesus because the world will hate you. Okay, who wants Jesus? I see that hand. I see that hand, right? Because the world doesn't want to associate with God, doesn't want to bow their knee to God, doesn't want to surrender to God, doesn't want to be accountable to God. And so, obviously, we take the heat because we're tangible. And so the Lord is saying us to us as well, this, this statement transcends time. Don't give up. Don't stop praying, even though it's going to get hard. Well, to get this point across, Jesus tells a story. He tells a parable. Let's see what he says. Look at Luke 18, 2 now. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because the widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming." And so Jesus paints this picture in this story. The first character we see in the story is this judge. He has no conviction. He's got no interest in being obedient to God, doesn't think about God, doesn't care about God. He's a godless man. He has no care for people. 
He doesn't care about people, doesn't respect them, isn't compassionate, and that means he has no sense of justice. What a great judge, right? <laughs> no sense of God, doesn't care for people, and yet sitting in a seat where he's going to make a call, but has no sense of justice. And then there's this widow. This widow could have been old or young, because a lot of times widows in this era were, were younger widows. Their husband might have died at, a, at an early age. Uh, they typically had little to no support, ways to make ends meet. And then on top of that, they were one of the most vulnerable people in society. And they would oftentimes have people that would ex, you know, use extortion or oppression or other things to harass or, or try to get things from the widows and take advantage of them. And so this widow was coming to this judge persistently asking for help. To, she had an adversary. She had someone that was making life hard. But the judge had no interest in helping her out. So she employed her only weapon available, persistence. She just kept coming after the guy over and over and over again until finally he gave in. And what's interesting is if you think about this woman, if, if, if this was a person today, this is what this would look like. It would mean that uh, the judge would get emails every day, multiple times a day from this person. The person would be calling the office. The person would find the judge on Facebook and be posting on his wall and sending him Facebook messenger messages. He'd, they'd find him on Instagram and be uh, DMing the guy all day long. They'd find him on Snapchat. They'd find him on Twitter. They'd be blowing up his pages everywhere they could find. They'd be showing up to the office in the morning, hopefully catching him on the way in showing up at lunch, hoping to catch him on his lunch break, showing up at the end, hoping to catch him on the way out to plead their case. If this widow was a child and the judge was a mom, it would sound like this, mom, 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 mom. And some of you know exactly what that's like. You guys get the picture? He finally decides to go after her case and advocate for her. But here's why. Not because he liked her, not because he cared for her, not because he thought it was the right thing to do. He did it just to get her off his case. If I can just get this woman to leave me alone, she's making me miserable. That's why the judge did what he did. Now this passage is oftentimes misinterpreted and mistaught. And here's what it sounds like, and some of you have heard this. This is the misteaching of this passage, that we are supposed to pester God with our prayers until He gives in to what we want. Some of you have heard that, right? That's not what Jesus is teaching here. That's not the teaching of this passage. What is the teaching of the passage? Well, Jesus breaks it down Himself in the next set of verses. He goes, let me give you the application. Look at verse 6. And the Lord said, right, he's going to give the application now, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? To help us understand what Jesus is communicating here, I think it's best to just say, let's answer three questions. What can we learn about God? What can we learn about ourselves? And what can we learn about prayer from what Jesus is teaching in this parable? So here's what we can learn about God. This is the teaching of this passage. God is not like the judge. God is not like the judge. Jesus gives this caricature of this judge, right? Doesn't have compassion, no conviction or sense of, you know, fearing God, and there's no sense of justice. Therefore, when he responds, it's just to, out of his own benefit to just get this woman off his case. That's not God. Jesus is saying, if a wicked, evil judge with no sense of justice, no compassion, will finally cave to a widow who's pestering him, how much more will a God who actually loves you 
and cares for you and has your interest at heart respond to your need. He's making a strong contrast here. He's saying, no, God is not like the judge. So what we learn about God is something about his heart, something about his motives, something about his intent. And when we constantly come to God, instead of giving up, if we constantly instead give it up, give up all the things in our life to God in prayer, we learn a lot about him. We learn that he sees and he hears and he loves and he understands and he's responsive to us because he cares for us and has our interest in his heart. And the context here is that uh, justice will be served by God speedily to his elect, to his children, to those who know him and love him. Look again at verse 7. It says, Will not God give justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Here's where some of us are already struggling. We're looking at that going, that's not necessarily my experience in my prayer life. That what I pray for happens how I want it to happen and when I want it to happen. Because we want things to happen now. We want the answer to our prayer now. So what do we do with this word speedily? Because sometimes it feels like God is taking forever to deliver justice, or God's taking forever to deliver our needs. Well, one of the things we learn about God, and we need to be remembering about God, is that His watch is not set to human standard time. It's His own timing. And His timing is always perfect. God's never early. God's never late. God's always right on time. That's where we struggle. That's where the tension is. And so we pray for things. We pray for people we care about. We pray for situations that are important to us. And we wonder where God is when he doesn't show up right when we want him to, instead of surrendering to his perfect will. Well, one thing I love is in Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says that God has made everything beautiful when? In its time. In its time. See, God is not indifferent. God is not insensitive or disinterested. He's strategic. God has a plan. God has something He's working on. He's, he's got a strategy that He's working. And our prayers will work into His plan. His plan doesn't always work into what our plan is. And so justice is beautiful. Justice feels right. It's satisfying when wrongs are made right. And God will fully and finally bring justice to this earth. God one day will reconcile the ledger between those who love Him, believe in Him, trust Him, and those who reject Him and, 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 and persecute those who love Him. God's going to bring that justice when Christ returns. That's going to inaugurate that whole activity of God with His, His justice and His reconciling. And when that happens, it'll happen swiftly. Well, how can we say that? We've been waiting a long time. Well, the idea here of speedily is not necessarily it'll happen quickly in a moment. God does sometimes answer those prayers that way. But the concept here is that when it happens, it will feel sudden. It will feel swift. If you are a parent or a grandparent or an aunt and uncle or you've got friends with kids, you absolutely get this feeling because there's this little tiny itty-bitty baby. Some of you are holding those little itty-bitty babies right now. And, and every day feels like forever. And if you're a toddler, it feels like eternity. Mom, 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 mom. Right? Okay. And there's days like this, this is never going to end. But then you fast forward and all of a sudden that kid's 10. And then they're 16. And then they're 18. And then they're an adult. And then they have kids. And you're like, where'd the time go? Right? So a bunch of people going, uh-huh. In that moment, 
you say something like this, it just went so fast. It went so quickly. It went by so fast. It happened suddenly. It happened swiftly. Some of us right here, we're sitting here nearing July. School's going to be beginning, right? All you school teachers, you're like, dude, can we do a redo on summer? I wasn't ready. Like, it happens so fast. And what happens is all of a sudden, while you're in it, sometimes it feels like it's forever, but then as you're getting ready to go back to school, right, kids? It's like, man, I just got out. This is what it means here, that when God executes His justice, when He serves that justice in that moment, it'll come upon mankind so quickly, it'll feel sudden, even though the Lord has taken centuries of our time to get there. So we can trust God. We learn about God that we can trust Him to fulfill His plan. He's going to do it. And we can trust His heart. We can trust His heart behind it. He's not like the judge. He cares. He's compassionate. And He has your interest in His heart. And so we learn a lot about God when we constantly pray. Just think about what lessons will you miss out on about God if you stop praying? If you stop praying, you're going to miss out on some lessons about God. And so our constant prayer, our constant commitment to not give up, but to give it up in prayer. And when I say give it, that it is our our needs, our concerns, our desires, our longings, our hopes for the church around the world, for the church in our nation, for the church in our community, and for what's going on in our own homes, and our own family, and our own hearts and lives. We give that up constantly in prayer. Why? Because God is not like the judge. But we also learn some things about ourselves when we persist in prayer. We learn a lot about what we desire. We learn a lot about what we value. We learn about whether we really do trust God or don't trust God. We learn about how much endurance we have. You learn about how you see God. You learn about how you see yourself or how you think God sees you by how you persist in prayer or not. Now, when we look at this parable, there's part of it that we should really see and identify ourselves with the widow. The widow had an adversary that was making life miserable. The widow realized that she was helpless and couldn't do anything about it. The widow identified God, or or the judge in this case, as the only person who could help her. We should connect with that. We, We look at our situation. We have adversaries. We have enemies. Here's a few of them. Fear, death, sickness, discouragement. These are our enemies. And, and they make life hard, right? But have we identified that God's the only source of our hope? Just like the widow said, the judge can help me. Do we go, look, the only one that can really help me with these needs is the Lord. And then we learn about whether we trust the Lord, whether we can place our trust in the Lord by whether we come to Him often or rarely. Constantly or barely, Right? And so we have to keep coming to the Lord. We learn a lot about how we view ourselves and how we view God. And so we connect with the widow on this. We identify that we're needy and that we need God's mercy. We need His strength. We need His wisdom. And He alone can give it. So we see ourselves a lot like the widow in this case. On that note, by the way, did you notice in the parable, the widow didn't tell the judge how to handle the problem. All she did was take a problem before the judge. See, this is how we're a little bit unlike the widow. And this is um, where we learn about ourselves, where when we come to God with what's on our mind, we're like, hey, God, we're going to help you out, okay? We're going to package it up. We're going to come up with a game plan, and then we're going to pray that game plan up before you so you can make that plan happen, because that's the best plan, God. And what happens is we learn about ourselves, and maybe this is just me, probably not you, that you just want to control things. (laughs) You want to control 
the outcome of the prayer, the outcome of the life, and in essence, you're trying to control God. We learn that about ourselves. Instead of just taking, Lord, you know this is going on in my life. Lord, you know I'm without a job. Lord, you know the situation is hurting me. Lord, you know where my child is. Lord, you know the situation is. And you just keep bringing it before the Lord. Now, we have many examples in Scripture to pray with specificity, to ask the Lord for specific things, so we can do that freely. But ultimately, we're just laying our case before the Lord and trusting Him and trusting His sovereignty, His judgment, His wisdom, His actions, because we believe they're better than our own. But your prayer life will reveal whether you truly feel that way or not. Here's another way that we depart from the widow. The widow was a widow because she had no husband. She had no advocate. She had no one to help her. But see, once you come to Christ, you're part of the family of Christ. You're a child of God. The Bible says that we are the bride of Christ. We're not widows. We are happily married to the God who made us. And so we're his bride as the church. We're his children as believers. And so we can come. We learn that about ourselves, which frees us. When you know that you're a child of God, when you know that you have an advocate in heaven for you, it frees us to come constantly before the Lord. That's why we don't give up. Why we keep constantly giving up in prayer to the Lord because of how we see ourselves with the Lord. But if we drift from our prayer life, we start to lose the sense of those realities. We forget that. Uh, a pastor I listen to every now and then named Vody Bachman captured this well. And it's a good caution. It's good wisdom. He said, there's this tension between the belief that it should have happened already, that's the thing we're praying about, and the knowledge that we have to continue to pray. This is where sin enters in. That's when we begin to have sinful, unbiblical, unhealthy attitudes about ourselves, about God, about our circumstances, about prayer. We begin to interpret things based on our experience, based on what we feel. We begin to interpret who God is and how God actually considers us based on how long it's taking for God to answer prayer. And so we learn a lot about ourselves, whether we continue to believe and trust and surrender to the Lord when, when we pray for things that might take a while or never come to us when or how we want. But we need to keep coming back to surrendering to who He is and the relationship that we have with them. We don't give up. We constantly give it up in prayer. And when we do that, we're exercising our faith. Your prayer life is a demonstration of what you really believe and your real faith. Your lack of prayer demonstrates how little you may believe and how little faith you may have. Look at 18.8 look at again in Luke. It says, When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? What will we be doing when Jesus returns? The things that you're carrying in your heart right now, will Jesus find us praying about those things when He comes? Will He find us faithful to trust and believe when He comes? Because when Jesus comes, He's going to be looking for those who have been looking for Him. Will we be looking for Him when He comes? Will He find our faith being demonstrated by a persistent prayer life? So let's keep looking to Him in prayer. Let's keep persisting. Let's keep going after it. Because while we pray, while we're in that workshop of prayer, God might not give us the answer that we want when we want, but He is doing something in your heart and life. While you're working on prayer, God's working on you. And He's probably working on you in areas that you didn't know you needed to work on. A great voice of this is a woman that some of you are very familiar with. Her name is Johnny Erickson Tata. Uh, she's the founder and CEO of Johnny and Friends International Disability Center. 
And uh, she's an international advocate for people with disabilities. Back in 1967, she had a diving accident when she was 17. I left her as a quadriplegic in a wheelchair. During her rehabilitation, she learned how to paint with detail with a paintbrush between her teeth. And if you read this article and if you read her story, she prayed persistently, constantly for God to heal her. God, give me back the use of my arms. God, give me back the use of my legs. Let me use these limbs again. She went to places to be prayed over. She went to healing you know, conferences. She, she did all these things, constantly asking God to heal her. Just this last week, she posted an article about why she's so glad God said no to that request. This is an article that you'll find in your um, study guide this week. This is an article that you'll uh, see on our blog because it's worth a quick read. She said this, Does God miraculously heal? Sure, He does. But in this broken world, it's still the exception, not the rule. A no answer to my request for miraculous physical healing has meant purged sin, a love for the lost, increased compassion, stretched hope, an appetite for grace, an increase of faith, a happy longing for heaven, a desire to serve, a delight in prayer, and a hunger for His Word. Oh, bless the stern schoolmaster that is my wheelchair. And what a mature, trusting, believing, persistent mindset of a woman who loves God, who's persistently asked for something, but God said no, and instead she saw what God was doing in her life through the way He answered that prayer. Some of you have been laboring for years with a certain prayer. You don't see the answer. That doesn't mean God hasn't answered the prayer already and you don't know it. It doesn't mean that He's not doing something in your life as you're praying. So we learn about ourselves to keep trusting, keep believing, keep giving it up to the Lord constantly in prayer. So we learn a little bit about God. We learn a little about ourselves and we definitely learn about prayer in this parable. The bottom line, lesson about what we can learn about prayer, don't give up. Don't stop. Keep persisting in prayer. We see that as Jesus paints this picture of this widow and how we're supposed to live in this tension between the ascension of Christ and the return of Christ like that. Persistently praying. Constantly praying. Why? Because prayer builds faith. Prayer keeps our hearts and mind on God rather than the circumstances in our life. Prayer generates hope. Prayer demonstrates trust. Prayer increases endurance. Prayer gives strength. Once our perseverance weakens, our prayer weakens. And once our prayer weakens, we begin to stop praying. And then we become weak in prayer. Some of you have heard that funny little phrase, tongue-in-cheek, seven days without prayer makes one weak. Ah, some of you are going, I don't get that. Okay, think about it for a minute. So when we come to prayer, and as we unfold this parable, we start to learn prayer is not about what we want, when we want it, or how we want it. But it's about surrendering and trusting God. It's about God's plans. It's about God's glory. It's about whatever best serves God's kingdom. So yes, we pray with certain specificity for outcomes. We see this modeled. But our, our desired answer is not the focus of prayer. God's desired answer is the focus of prayer. But we still faithfully, persistently, expectantly pray. And praying this way starts to conform our desires to God's desires. So don't give up.
praying until you see God answer that prayer. And don't forget, the answer isn't always yes. Sometimes it's no, or maybe, or wait, or I've got, I'm going to do it a different way. So, if you love Jesus, and you want to live for Him, and glorify Him, and build His kingdom, but you find yourself hopeless, keep praying. You find yourself feeling desperate, keep praying. If you find yourself joyful, keep praying. You find yourself grateful, keep praying. If you find yourself angry, you've got to keep praying. If you find yourself hurt, any guesses? Keep praying. If you find yourself confused, any guesses? Keep praying. We don't give up. We keep giving it up constantly to the Lord in prayer, awaiting to see how He's going to answer. This is spoken of multiple times in Scripture, by the way. Here's three verses I want us to read together. Can we, can we read this and proclaim this together? Colossians 4.2, read it with me. Continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, pray without ceasing. So we don't give up. We don't give up. We constantly keep giving up to the Lord in prayer. I want you to think about one of your greatest prayer desires. Just that burden that's on your heart. Maybe it's some people in your life. Maybe it's a situation or circumstance in your life. What's like one of your top three, if you will, huge prayer needs in your life? I want you to think about that. In a minute, I'm going to give you a commitment on how to pray for that. Because all of us need to find that thing in our life that we're praying so desperately for and then just go after it and constantly, persistently pray, trusting the Lord. You know, there's a family in our church. They're actually in the service right now. Their name's the Fruits Family. And some of you know James. He's led worship here. You know the family because you are in student ministry. And they have a big issue right now that's been targeted for prayer in their life. And what I love about their story is you get to hear them and you get to know them is that they're faithfully praying persistently. They don't have all the answers to the questions. They don't know what the outcome is going to be, but they're just not going to give up praying. And so I'm going to have Christy Fruits share with us a little bit about what that looks like in their life. So let's listen and watch Christy. Hi, I'm Christy Fruits, and my family and I have been attending CVC for nearly two years now. My husband, James, has had the opportunity to serve on the worship team, and our kids are involved in CVC Youth. In January of 2019, I was diagnosed with a rare aggressive form of cancer. I spent six months um, worth of treatments only to discover that during this time, um, the cancer has come back, and my doctor has um, said that I have a very small chance of survival, and I all of a sudden find myself in need of a miracle. Over the last several months, my prayers have been cries of desperation and cries for healing for my body and cries for more time, more time with my kids, more time with my family. I have found, though, it's become less about, less about me because I am confident that healing is coming for me no matter what. And so that shift has become about being used by God. How can my life influence someone else to come to a greater understanding of God's love for them? It's been amazing that as I've I've prayed some of these hard prayers to see other answers to other prayers kind of unfold. And um, one of those has been with my son, Max. 
Um, Pastor Rick Duncan preached near the beginning of the year about like who's the one that you're willing to do anything to get to the feet of Jesus. And after we found out that the cancer was back, I told my big kids and my husband that, you know, Max is my one. Max is the one I've been praying for. The kids all just spent a week at Frontlines. And at um, the end of Frontlines, we received a phone call saying that Max had chosen to give his life to Christ. And that there was this all of a sudden understanding for Max that he couldn't go through what our family was going through without Jesus. There was this moment of realization of, of my prayer for healing is intense, but my prayer and my hope for Max was even greater. And that all of a sudden, like my biggest prayer was just answered. During this whole experience, uh, one of the songs um, that has kind of carried me through and has resonated with my heart so much is a song um, called Yes I Will. The thing that really resonated in my heart is um, further in the song it says and I will choose to praise choose right it's all about a choice we have a choice to make and so I will choose to praise I will choose to pray I will choose to continue to be persistent in this because I know that there's hope found there's hope found in that there's hope found in God and until I'm given my final answer I'm going to continue to ask God for healing on the side of heaven We don't give up. We don't give up praying. We just keep giving up to the Lord. What I love about this part of their testimony is just the vulnerability and the rawness of saying, we're asking the Lord. We don't know the outcome. We've got unanswered questions, but we're trusting. We're trusting. And in that place of prayer, the obvious prayers for life to be extended also reveal an even greater desperation for a loved one to be saved. Let me ask you that question. If, if God would only grant you one answer to prayer out of the two, would you either ask for more years for your life to live on earth, or would you rather ask for a loved one to spend the rest of their life in heaven? Which one would you rather have? So you just got to keep praying. Don't give up. Persist. James Christie, thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for sharing the of your heart. We will continue to be persistent with you in prayer of what God's doing in your life. So what's your thing? Who's that person or people that you just need to either start or refresh your commitment to be praying for? Or what's that situation that you need to either start being consistent or refresh your consistency to pray for? In your program, there's a big blue box. Here's my challenge to you today. Put, I commit to persistently pray for, write it in. Write it in the name of that person or those people. Write in that situation. And when you write it in, you're doing two actions there. One, you're committing to pray regularly for that, not giving up. Just giving it up to the Lord, constantly in prayer. But you're also saying that you just trust God for whatever He's going to do, however He's going to answer that prayer. I want to give you a couple of tools because sometimes it's easy to forget. Like, oh yeah, I wanted to be persistent. Then we forget, then we feel bad, then we stop praying. And there's just a few tools that maybe can help you to, to be persistent in your prayer. Uh, sometimes a special card or note or bookmark in your Bible or your refrigerator or your car can be a good reminder. Post-it notes. 
I've got a post note in one of my Bibles that every time I see that Bible, open that Bible, it's a trigger to remind me to pray for something that's very dear on my heart right now. Your phone alarms, you can plug in alarms that will come on and alert you at certain times of the day. Some people put like the birthday of people they're praying for that don't know the Lord or a deadline or whatever, but there's a, a trigger in your phone. There's prayer apps out there, Echo Prayer, Prayer Mate, that can be useful. But these are just some tools for you to pray regularly, constantly, without giving up for this need. Also, I want to remind you of the value of praying together. Like we're going to pray as individuals and families and as a community, but there's times when we need to come together as a church and, and, and lift up something. And so I want to invite you to our next uh, Seek Night. It's a time where we come together and seek the Lord together. It's August 14th. We're going to have a night where we're going to seek the Lord for our kids all going back to school. So let's fill this room with families and kids and parents and pray over our kids and pray for our teachers and pray for our schools and our campuses. You guys know it's hard to be a kid, right? You know it's hard to be a teen. It's hard to be a parent. So we're not going to give up praying about that. So we're going to take it to the Lord in prayer. So right now, let's stop talking about prayer. Let's pray. Let's stop talking about God. Let's start talking to God. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the reminder that we have an awesome God, a heavenly Father, someone who's always looking out for us and for our best interest. Thank you that you are not like the judge. But Lord, you are compassionate and you're merciful and you're loving and you're caring. And Father, we confess that we forget that sometimes. Oh Lord, we pout because we don't always get what we want, when we want, or how we want it. Lord, we confess that we don't understand why you don't extend certain years. We don't understand why certain tragedies and sickness happen. Lord, would you help us to trust in spite of that? Would you help us to be faithful, to constantly pray in spite of that? Lord, would you help us not give up, not lose heart, but to give up all our greatest desires and needs in prayer to you? Would you help us do that, Lord? May prayer become that first and constant response rather than a last resort in our life. In fact, would you just take a minute right now, and whatever's in that box or whatever's on your mind, would you just take a minute and pray for that? Would you just lift that to the Lord in a spirit of trust? Just pray that before the Lord. Pray about that person. Pray about that thing. Lord, we love you and we trust you. Help us be faithful to constantly pray and trust you while we pray. In Jesus' name, said together. Amen. A couple things before we continue to worship. One, just be faithful and consistent with that prayer. Also, you might be here watching online and, and you'd like to know more about this Jesus that we love <laughs> and we know and we talk about. We'd love to have that conversation with you. In your program is a section on your response card. You can put accepting Christ or want to know more about Christ. In a minute, we're going to pass baskets. We'd love for you just to put that in there. Just write it down now, rip it off, turn it in there. Give us an email. Give us a phone number. We'll get in touch. Tell you more about Jesus. If that's something that's urgent on your heart now, come find myself or any of our staff in the foyer. We'd love to connect with you. If you're online, connect 
at cvconline.org will be a way we can get in touch with you. Also, we're about to receive our offering. Just a reminder that this gift we give back to the Lord is an expression of our dependence on Him, and it's an investment in His work here in Northeast Ohio and around the world. And so it's one of the ways that we worship and give to the Lord so that we can see things like Renew and Sports Camp and all that happens. So thank you for your faithfulness in that. But let's stand and let's worship.